Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. If you're glad to be in God's house this morning, say amen. amen. Hey, I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 1. We're starting a, a series this morning. It's a three-week series called Maximizing Your Life. And it's leading up to our Maximize Life Conference, which I hope you're planning on being here for. Be here Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. It is going to be great. I'm going to read to you something this morning as I start that I wrote several weeks ago thinking about this morning's message. Let's pretend that the world has gone crazy. You wake up one morning and everything is backwards. Maybe instead of a man acting like a man, he's acting like a woman. Or say a man wants to wear a dress and go to your uh, public library and teach your children. What a crazy world that would be like. Or say, instead of a man marrying a woman, he wants to marry another man. And that a woman wants to marry a woman. Or, or maybe a well-known athlete decides he, he is really a woman named Caitlin. Maybe that would be, wouldn't that be crazy? Or maybe a woman decides that she'd rather be a man, so has an operation to make her a man. Or, imagine living in a world where a young woman gets pregnant, and this is sad, and she would rather destroy the child than enjoy the responsibility and pleasure of raising that child. Or imagine a world where everything that comes out of the president's mouth is a lie, and where people running for president find it necessary to use vulgar language to make their point, and when they do, this is sad, Christians laugh and applaud him. Imagine what it would be like if you began to hear that all our revered historical heroes like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams were nothing but bigoted slave owners that cared only about their own self-interest. What if you heard that an esteemed national leader who you happen to admire was found to have been involved in many immoral and corrupt activities in life. Or maybe after being taught all your life that marijuana was bad and you knew it was true because you watched your friends ruin their lives using it, it becomes legal and is promoted on the same airwaves that banned cigarette commercials decades before. Wouldn't it be crazy? Or, or maybe gas prices go from $1.87 a gallon to $4.50 a gallon overnight. Maybe that would be crazy. Or maybe, maybe this, maybe city governments start defunding the police and that rioting in the streets is protected, but if you peacefully have a prayer meeting with Bible reading in public, you go to jail. Hmm. Or maybe... Maybe the United States government, with the backing of state and local governments, are able to demand that churches close their doors. That could never happen in America. Imagine what, would it, what, it, what it would be like 
If the state made laws that protected pedophiles and prosecuted parents who would not allow their kids to be taught by them. Imagine a world like that. And welcome to America 2023. What do you do in a world that's gone crazy all around you? How do you maximize your life in a world that has gone absolutely nuts? Let me share with you a couple of thoughts before we get into the message. Number one, you need to remember. There's three things you need to remember. You need to remember that this is the way of the world. And when a nation rejects God and his truth, that nation has no other choice. Now listen, if you reject God and his truth, that nation has no other choice but to believe a lie. You see, there are multiple lies, but there's only one truth. And if you reject the truth, you have no other choice than to believe a lie. The Bible says it this way, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The civic leaders in this nation, along with the Hollywood elite and social engineers, made a decision many years ago to eliminate God from our culture. In 1962 and 1963, they removed him from our schools, reshaping our school system. They slowly dismantled the family unit by legalizing no-fault divorce in 1969. They promoted irresponsibility through the national welfare system. They mocked the church for teaching old-fashioned, outdated ideas from God's Word. And now, the individual is dependent upon the government. And if something goes wrong in a family or an individual's life, they say, isn't there a government program that should be taking care of this? The individual is now dependent upon on civil government. City governments are in debt to state governments. State governments are in debt to the federal government. And the federal government is trillions of dollars in debt to enemy governments and the World Bank. And so we live in a world and in a, in a, a nation now that has become a slave state and is in bondage, put in bondage by our political leaders. Say, preacher, welcome home. Thanks for the good news. The thing that you need to remember in this world is that a world, when a nation rejects God, a nation that blesses God is exalted, but one that doesn't honor God becomes a reproach to any people. That was true of Israel, that's true of us. You need to remember that. Remember, that's the way of the world. You see, this is the way the rest of the world has been for since Adam and Eve. When Adam said, we're not, we don't want God's way, we're going to do it Satan's way, and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And mankind's sin became spiritually dead, separated from God. That's why Jesus had to come. Jesus came because we're all sinners and because we all deserve to go to hell, and he didn't want us to go there in spite of our rebellion, so he came, he became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. He died in our place. He paid for our sin, for us individually. He was buried three days later. He rose from the dead, was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses, and then he went back to heaven. Now the Bible says, all I have to do to get to heaven is ask Jesus to give me eternal life. I can be saved out of this wicked and corrupt world. 
I can know I'm going to heaven. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today. But here's the deal. You've got to remember, this is the way of the world. Number two, so don't get discouraged when you see craziness going on. The world's been crazy since Adam rebelled. Number two, remember this. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. See, this is what Christians, this is what being a Christian is all about. It's not that we walk around with rose-colored glasses saying, oh, isn't everything wonderful? Flowers and children and birds and happy, happy, happy. That's what the hippie movement was all about in the 60s. But that's not what the world's all about. But here is, here's, what, here's what it is. You're the light in the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on, in, on, on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, God knew that it was dark, and so he came into the world as a man, and then he made it possible for you to have that light, and so you are the light of the world. He goes on, and he says this, you're the salt of the earth. If this nation is to be preserved, it's not because everybody in the world's going to be, in the nation's going to be good, but God uses salt to preserve a nation. And you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's then forth good for nothing but to be cast out and to trod, be trodden under the foot of man. Look, God says, you're, you're light. God says, you are not only light, you're salt. Remember this. Jesus said this. Jesus said, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Remember, God knew it was dark. God knew the place needed salt, and he sent you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. But he didn't send you out by himself. He's going with you. And so it'll be okay. You, you, you shelter underneath his wing. He'll protect you. I was reading in Jeremiah this morning, in Jeremiah chapter 17, God's telling Jeremiah, judgment's coming on Israel. Judgment's coming on Judah. I'm going to destroy it. But he said, you're going to be okay. Just trust in me. In the midst of the judgment, I'll protect you. God will protect us if we are seeking him. Remember this. The local church is to be the pillar and the ground of truth. That's you and me. That's you and me. That's not some institution. That's you and me. As God's children, we are part of this church, and this church is supposed to be a light and salt to the city of Las Vegas. That's what we're supposed to do. We are the church of the living God, and we are, we are here as sheep in the midst of wolves. Remember this, even your marriage is supposed to represent Jesus Christ. That's what you're supposed to do in your marriage. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Your marriage is supposed to represent Christ. Everything we do, we are, we are to be light, we're to be salt as a family, as a church, and then as an individual. God said this, now then we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. That means, Juan, you're supposed to be a representative of Christ wherever you go. You see, why? Because this world needs to see Jesus Christ. And the only way they're going to see him is in you. Our Father is in heaven. Jesus said, when you pray, remember this, pray our Father which art in heaven. Remember, he's in heaven. You're on earth. If they're going to see God, they're going to see him in you and me. In this dark world with all the crazy stuff that's going on, what are we supposed to do? We're to remember that's the way the world is. And number two, we're supposed to remember that we are supposed to be different than the world. You're not supposed to be pulled in to the things of this world. And then you need to remember this. 
that we have an enemy. And James, your enemy is the same en- enemy that I have. We entered, Paul, your enemy is the same enemy as I. Now, my enemy wants me to think you're my enemy. And my enemy wants you to think I'm your enemy. Because, look, if we're fighting one another, if we're fighting with one another, if we're devouring each other, then he wins. So we've got to remember, number three, besides the fact this is the way of the world, and we're the light of the world, that if we're going to be light, we've got to remember that we have an enemy named Satan, and he wants to destroy individuals, he wants to destroy our families, and he wants to destroy our church. That is what we, that's where we are. That's the world that we live in. So you say, well, now I'm depressed. No, don't be depressed. This is our battle. This is what we're called to do. It's always been that way. So how do we win? How do we maximize our life? How do, we, how, do, how do we win in the midst of all the garbage that's going on, all the lies that are out there, everything that's going crazy? 2,000 years ago, or about, actually about 1,900 years ago, Paul, the apostle, sent, took with him a, a man, a young man named Titus. He was a very young man. He took him to an island called Crete. On the island of Crete, this was a wicked, vile, pagan island filled with unbelievers, filled with people who were teaching false stuff. In fact, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says, one of themselves, even a prophet or a reporter of their own, said this about the Cretans. They are always liars. Does that sound familiar? They are evil beasts. They are like wild animals. And they're slow bellies. They're big, fat, mean liars. That's what he's saying. (laughs) That's the world that he lived in. He took Titus, this young pastor, to this wicked wicked island. That was close to 2,000 years ago, 1,950 years ago. Today, if you were to go to the island of Crete and you would talk to people, 91% of the people, there's 650,000 people that live on the island of Crete today. 91% of those people would identify themselves as Greek Orthodox Christians. How does that happen? He takes them to an island filled with big, fat, mean, beast-like liars, and they now, 2,000 years later, it is 91%. Now, they don't believe exactly the way we believe, but they, they claim the name of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? That's why I think it's important that we examine this, 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 this thing, because he tells Titus how to transform a culture by transforming his own life. I'm telling you this. We're going to look over the next couple of weeks at, at what God says about our lives and how to maximize our life for the cause of Christ. You can overcome wickedness. You can overcome wickedness. I want you to say this with me. I can overcome wickedness. Let's say that. I can overcome wickedness. One more time. I can overcome wickedness. Not in your own strength. Paul said, not I, but Christ in me. I can, through Christ, I can do anything. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
If you're feeling like, oh, it's hopeless. Oh, nothing's going right. Oh, it's a terrible day. Oh, I can't do anything. If you're that way, you need to understand that you're allowing the thief to come and to steal and to kill and destroy. That's not Jesus. Jesus isn't telling you it's hopeless. All the Antichrist is probably here already and we're probably in the middle of the tribulation and everything's terrible. It's not Jesus telling you that. That's the liar. That's Satan telling you that. The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy your life. But I'm come that you might have life. I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give me abundant life. Say that with me. Jesus came to give me abundant life. Say that like you mean it. Jesus came to give me abundant life. Jesus wants us to have abundant life. He wants us to have life and life more abundantly. You don't have to let the thief come and steal your joy and your happiness. Or you're, you, can, you can live in victory. And that's what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about maximizing your life. We're going to start in Titus chapter 1. Before we do, let's pray. Father, I pray in the next few minutes you'll allow me to encourage my friends, these, my brothers and sisters, about the life that you've given to us and how you want us to overcome and be overcomers. Father, I pray that we might be determined to be the light, the salt, the sheep in the midst of wolves, the, the ambassadors of Christ that you've called us to be. Father, teach us and help us to take your truth and apply it. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Titus chapter 1 says this. Paul. Paul identifies himself. Paul, he's Paul, I'm a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifest his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of our Savior, God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. I want you to see something here that Paul gives us, number one, our reason for being. Paul says, listen, I have a reason for being. By the way, in your bulletin this morning, I've put this outline because I want you not just to hear this this morning. I really want you to take this home with you, and I want you to think about this. And even as I'm preaching, I hope you'll write down the answers to some questions that we want to ask this morning. God wants us to understand our purpose, and Pastor Matt talked about this a lot last week. So God wants us to understand our purpose. God wants us to understand our reason for existence. I need you. Michael, would you do me a favor? Uh, or would you go get me a tissue? Because I've got a runny nose. <laughs> well, would you just go? Go ahead. Uh, Matt, I'm sorry. I said Michael. I'm, I looked at, at Matt and I said Michael. It's, it's, uh, it's his old age. It's affecting me. And so, uh, uh, thank you. I thought you were going to have to. No, now, now I have to open it up and figure it out here. I, I wanted you to make it easy for me, so... Went to church this morning and the preacher had to blow his nose. Okay, so 
Here we go. So li- listen, really important. He wants us to understand our reason for being. He wants us to understand our purpose. So, so Paul states his reason for being. When you look at this, Paul says several things about himself in verses one through four. He says, I'm a servant of God. I'm here not to be served, but to serve God, and I do that by serving people. He said, I'm an apostle. The word apostle means I'm sent from God. Uh, I'm sent uh, from Jesus Christ. I'm sent from Jesus with a message. I'm here to proclaim the faith of God's elect, he says. He says, I'm here to teach people to live godly. I'm here to proclaim eternal life. That's why I'm here. That's what he said. It's amazing. He knows his reason for being. What is your reason for being? He then tells Titus his purpose. In verse 5, he says this, for this cause I left thee in Crete. He then tells him, I, I had a reason for leaving you there. Here's why I exist, here's why I went to Crete, and here's why you are left in Crete. To set in order the things that are wanting, doctrinal purity, moral purity, practical holiness, ordained elders. He gives them all this, he, he, he asks them these questions, he tells them these things. This is why you are there. There's a reason for your being there in Crete. I was, um, I, this Halfway through this trip, I, a, um, one of the churches we were going to had to cancel because the pastor had a death in his family, and it was a pretty tragic thing. And so we had a week that was open. Well, I don't like to waste time, so I want to use my life for something. I don't want to just endlessly waste time. And I thought, what could I do that was beneficial? So I called up Neil and Charity, and I said, hey, can we have two of your kids for the next week? be an opportunity for me to work them to death on my, on my property back in Pennsylvania. And so she said, I'll be happy to send them to the work camp. And so she, she sent them, she sent Lincoln and she sent uh, Trey out there. And uh, we spent a week with them. Well, in, back there, uh, back there uh, there's corn everywhere. I mean, corn, fields of corn. You're going by fields of corn and fields of corn. We were driving from Detroit to Pennsylvania, and we were just looking at the fields of corn, and uh, uh, Trey said, uh, or Trey or Lincoln, one of the two, said, said, hey, Grandpa, when you pick the corn off the stalk, does more corn grow? And... uh, I said, no, when you pick the corn off the stalk, there's normally on a, on a stalk of corn, there's one or two ears of corn grow up. If you have a really, really, really healthy, you might get three. I used to say there were three or four ears of corn, and my wife, who grew up on the farm and knew all that, she said, honey, you can't say that. And he, That's not right. You look dumb. And she's very kind when she tells me these things, but uh, she said, you need to, the facts are you're only going to get one ear typically, or maybe two. And I said, okay, so you get one or two stalks. So these, these, this stalk, this nice stalk grows up, it's about this tall, and you get one, maybe two ears of corn on there. So you pull them off. Well, their question was, doesn't, so what about the stalk? Well, the stalk's done its job. What, does, does, it, uh, does next year more corn grow on it? No. That stalk is done. It had a purpose for existence, had a reason for being, and then it was done, and the corn is, is in the hands of those who pick the corn, and that stalk is going to be now ground back into the dirt. It's all over. 
And I thought about that, and I thought, wow, God has a purpose for the stalk. God has a purpose for the stalk, and the, the purpose is to produce corn. And I thought in myself, well, what does God want me to produce? That's a question you need to ask yourself. You see, Paul is writing to, to Titus, and he's saying, look, this is what I'm producing. This is what God made me. This is my reason for existence. And, and uh, this is your reason for existing. The question that I want you to ask yourself, and under that first thing in your, in your, in your bulletin, ask yourself, what's my reason? What's my purpose? What, what, what is it that God wants me to do? You need to figure out, you need to figure out your purpose, your reason for existence. Your reason for existence. Why did God place you on this planet? You say, how do I do that? Here's, let me give you a couple of clues. Number one, ask yourself, what are your natural roles? You say, what do you mean, what are my natural roles? Well, um, you're a child of God. You got saved. If, you're a chi- if, you've, if you ask Jesus Christ to save you, you're a child of God. So as a child of God, then what am I supposed to be doing as a child of God? Oh, you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to read your Bible. You're supposed- Those are things that you know that you're supposed to do as a child of God. So, so this is your natural role. Or if you're a husband, what are you supposed to do as a husband? Oh, what, what are you supposed to do as a wife? One of the reasons we have the Maximize Life Conference is to, to talk about those roles. Talk about what you're supposed to be doing as a husband, as a wife, as a child of God, as, 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 a, as, a, hus- as a mother, as a father. How to discipline your children. Uh, all of those kind of things. Uh, so, so you ask yourself, in, my, in your natural roles, are you a husband? Are you a father? Are you a wife? Are you a mother? Are you a brother? Are you a sister? Are you a friend? These are all natural things that you're doing. This is, so you're not saying, okay, I've got to find some big mystery out there. No, what are you doing right now? Who are you right now? And what, what in, in, the, in the position you're in right now, well, a, a co-worker, that's a, your role. Instead of hating your neighbors, understand that God put you there because the neighborhood needed you. Instead of hating your co-workers, God put you with those co-workers because they needed to see him. So as a co-worker, so what are your natural roles? And then in that, then what's my reason for existence in that? I realized years ago that God wanted me to raise a family for his glory. As a, as a dad, this is what I'm supposed to do. As a husband, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I've certainly not been a perfect husband, nor a perfect father, nor am I a perfect grandfather. But I've decided that this is, these are the roles that God's put me in, so I'm going to do them to the very best of my ability. I, my wife and I decided 46 years ago that God wanted us to come to Las Vegas and plant a church, and that's what we were going to do, and that's what we did. And so we're doing that. And right now, God wants us to, to travel and help others, other pastors who are trying to plant churches and, and, uh, and raise families. And, and so that's what we're doing. That's why I've been gone for eight weeks. That's why I'll be gone again because I, that's where God has put me. What's your reason for existence? What's your purpose? You need to ask yourself that, number one. Your reason for existence. Number two, responsibility. Responsibility. I want you to see, he tells, he tells Timothy, you take personal responsibility. In verse five, he says, for this cause I left thee in Crete, 
in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. Don't sit back and say, these people are big, fat liars, and they're evil, and they're mean. I know that. I know where they are. But what's your responsibility? Your responsibility, Titus, is there find people that are qualified to lead and build a base so they, so that's your, that's your responsibility. We live in a world that wants someone else to do it. We live in a world that casts blame on others. The reason I haven't succeeded is because of how I was born and the family I was born into, my ethnic background. My, you don't understand, my parents were my parents were immigrants. You don't understand, I come from a broken family. You don't understand, I've, I've had this sin that's passed from generation to generation. It's all everybody else's fault that I haven't succeeded. We need to see the need, and we need to take the lead, and we need to become responsible. Here's the deal. You can't do everything, but you can do something. Say amen to that. You can't do everything, but you can do something. I had a, a, preacher's, a preacher and a preacher's wife <coughs> uh, starting, starting a church out, out east, and, and I sat down about four or five, no, about, about six or seven years ago now with them, and they said, preacher, what are we going to do? We have people that want us to do this, and they want us to do this, and they want us to do this, and they want us to do this. Our church isn't that big, and we don't have that kind of ability, and we, don't, we, can, we, we can't get it all done, and we just feel like, I feel like a failure because we're not able to do everything that everybody wants us to do. And I looked at him and I said this. I said, you need to understand this. My wife and I came to the conclusion years ago, we can do what we can do, and that's all that we can do. But we can do what we can do. You see, you can do what you can do, and that's all you can do, but you can do what you can do. Do you understand? There's, we can complain about everything that's not being done, but there's something that you can do. And you can find out what that is, and you can do that. You can certainly live your life. You can live your life and say, okay, God, in, my, in the positions that you've placed me, I'm going to do them to the very best of my, my ability. You can pray for your wife and children. You can, you, uh, Titus could not save the world. Listen, Titus couldn't save all of the world, but Titus could train leaders. And Paul knew that he had the ability to train leaders, so he said, you find leaders and you train those leaders. That's what you do. You do what you can do. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. Read that with me. Focus on what you can't. I'm going to start over again. I started wrong. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. One more time. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. That's where we need to be. Listen, what can you do? Let me give you several things you can do. Number one, you can pray. Every single person in here can pray. Ask God to work in your life. You can give. Every single person in this church can give. Hey, by the way, aren't you enjoying the fact that it's 72 degrees in here? Can you say that? Amen to that? How many are cold right now? 
that's a miracle. Say thank you, Jesus, because when you go out those doors, it will be 102 degrees. If you're thankful for air conditioning, say amen. amen. Now, I bring that up for a particular reason on this point, give. This, this summer, we've had miracles take place. People have gotten saved. There have been families joining the church. It's been wonderful to watch. But during this summer, we also had five air conditioner units go out. Yeah, that's $50,000 because they're $10,000 per unit. Now, from time to time, people will say, Preacher, is there anything, any special thing that I can do to help the church? Yeah, buy an air conditioner unit. <clears throat> when we take the offering at the end of the service, if you'd like to, you can say, this is special for an air conditioning unit. Put in a $10,000 check. But if you say, I can't, don't have $10,000, put in a $1,000 check. Put in a $100 check. Designate something at the end of the service for, for air conditioning. If you're thankful for air conditioning, say Amen. If you want to help pay for it, say amen. Oh, I got some of you, so uh, don't lie. You said amen, so do it. Anyway, help us with that. You can give. You can pass out tracts. You can pass out tracts. You can give out gospel tracts. One of the sweetest things that happened to me on this last trip that I was on was I, I, I uh, told, the, told people how to get saved, and a lady came up to me, and she grabbed my hand at the end of the service. She's in a wheelchair. I think she was in her 80s. She grabbed my hand, and she just held on to it, and she said, Pastor, she said, I've gone to church all my life. I knew about Jesus. I knew about the things of God. She said, but, and I knew that there was a way to know you were going to heaven, but I didn't know it. I didn't know it. And she said, today you got up there and explained how Jesus died for us. And was, she said, it made absolute sense. And when you said, pray that prayer, she said, I prayed and got saved today. Can you say amen to that? It's really easy to, to, to hand somebody a track and say, hey, can I give you something really good to read? Hey, I know you can give this one out and say, I know the author. I know the guy that wrote that. And uh, I give it to people and say all the time, hey, I went to church all my life and nobody ever told me how I could know for sure I was going to heaven. And I give it to them. Man, people will say things like this. People will say, people will say, uh, uh, people will say, oh, thank you. Oh, man. I had one guy say, he stopped. I thought, oh, he's going to get mad at me. He said, you made my day. He said, I was having a miserable day. He said, this is just, this is from God. I said, yeah, it is. Read it. And so the, the, the truth of the matter is God wants us. You can pass out tracts. Anybody can do that. You can speak the truth. You can speak the truth. When you hear somebody say, well, I don't think that, that you're either born a man, male or a female, you can say, no, 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 that, that, that's stupid. See, can you say that? Yeah, that's absolutely dumb. That's foolish. The Bible calls it reprobate, dumb. It's, it's foolish to think that there's, there's, it's either a boy or a girl or, or maybe something else. Our, our world has gone foolish, but you need to speak the truth and say, no, that's not true. You say, how do you know that's not true? Because the Bible says male and female created them. Say amen to that. Amen. It's the truth. That's the truth. And what you need to do is when somebody says, says something that's a lie, well, I think it's okay for a man to marry a man. You need to say, no, that's, that's dumb. That's just not right. That's, the Bible calls that an abomination. God hates that. By the way, he also hates adultery. He also hates fornication of any kind. He also hates the pornography that you may be involved in. He hates all that stuff. And you need to lovingly speak the truth. You say, preacher, that's, that sounds pretty mean to me. Well, I'm smiling but it's the truth, okay? 
So, so speak the truth. You can, by the way, you can vote. As a Christian, you can vote. And, and by the way, you can do the best you can do. You can fulfill the responsibilities that God has given you. So number one, you need to know your reason or your purpose. And then you need to know, you need to know what you can do. You need to know your responsibilities. And, and in, in the bulletin today, again, put down, just today, sometime, if you're not doing it right now, put down what is your reason and what is your responsibilities in that. And, and then just do those things. Now, I want you to see next that he gives some requirements for service or, or uh, he tells us to live as a leader. He says, he says there's certain things that you should do uh, as a leader. If you're going to be a leader of men, and everyone should uh, aspire to be leaders. I, I, uh, we used to say to our, to our kids as they were growing up, uh, you can't do that because leaders don't do that. You don't do that because leaders don't do that. One day Matthew turned around. I don't know if he's 14 or 15 years old. He's turned around and looked at his mother and he said to his mother, and by that time he's here and she's here, right? So he looked at her and said, what if I don't want to be a leader? And my wife said, too bad. <laughs> You're going to be a leader whether you like it or not. He said, okay. <laughs> He's a leader. God's using him all over the place. Listen, uh, God wants you to be a leader. And he says, he, he gives a list of things. Look what he says. He says, um, he says, I want you to find elders, leaders in every city as I've appointed thee. And then he gives these qualifications. He says, if any man be blameless, the husband of one wife, having uh, faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, the, the bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. That means that no striker means he doesn't hit people. It's not good for a leader to hit people. Not given to filthy lucre, not, but, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, that means self-controlled, holding fast the word of the Lord as he hath been taught, that he may be able to, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So he, he gives this list. Now let me go through them. Number one, blameless. The word blameless does not mean perfect. It means blameless. It means if you have made a mistake, you're willing to admit that and confess it. The Bible tells us this. How, how, do, we, how do we clean so we can be blameless? Here's what the Bible says. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if, if I make a mistake, it's, this is not saying the guy's perfect and he never makes a mistake. If he does make a mistake, he says, you know what I did? What I did was wrong, and I want to ask you to forgive me. And the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Juan, if I do something to offend you, and then that makes me not blameless. But then if I say, hey, I was wrong for doing that. I, I stole your car, but I'm returning it. Uh, please, please forgive me. Then you've got to forgive me. And so, so but I've, 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 I've confessed, and then I confessed to God that it was wrong, and uh, uh, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins. I'm cleansed. I'm cleansed, so I'm, I'm blameless. That's, that's what it means to be blameless. And then the husband of, of one wife. That literally translates from the Greek a one-woman man. That means I'm a man that's committed to one woman. 
You say, what if I've blown it in the past? If you've blown it in the past, you've blown it in the past. But right now, say, God, I'm going to be a one-woman man for the rest of my life. I'm going to be totally committed to this one woman. I'm not going to let my eyes wander around at other people. I'm going to stay away from, uh, I'm not going to let my eyes wander around and look at other things, other people. I'm not going to uh, look at the internet. I'm, not going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to stay away from pornography. I'm going to stay away from all that junk. That's, the, that's a one-woman man. I'm focused on one woman. My, my, Dave Tice is focused on one woman. That's Anna Tice. And I'm going to be that way until Jesus takes me to heaven. You say, what if she goes first? She's not going first. I'm praying about this. <laughs> my wife says, we're going together. I don't know what she has planned. <laughs> but uh, the husband of one wife. Then it says faithful children, not riotous. That means you've got to have your kids under control. You, that's, I'm telling you, the Maximize Life Conference is going to be wonderful for you. Get there. Get you, learn how to, tra- how to train your children properly. And then it says a steward or a manager of God. He sees himself as a servant. A man must learn to see himself as a servant. Somebody said, well, I'm the head of my house. Yeah, you're, if you're the head of your house, you're the head servant in your home. Just like Jesus is the head of heaven, and when we get there, he's going to serve us. Mister, if you're going to be the husband God wants you to be, then you'll be the head servant in your home. I thought my wife was supposed to serve. The way your wife learns to serve is by watching you serve. I know you want me to go to the next point, but ladies, if you'd like me to stay on this point, say amen. Amen. Okay, so... um, It's important that we live as servants. And so he says, hey, you want, to be, you want to be a leader? Be a servant. See yourself as a servant. And then not self-willed. I don't, I'm not going to get what I want out of life. I'm going to get what he wants me to do. Not soon angry. You're not somebody that blows up. Kids come and tell you, so, why did you do that? Don't, don't be soon angry. Not given to wine. That means he does not drink. Proverbs chapter 31, the, the, the mother of Solomon says, look, if you're going to be a king, don't drink wine, period. That's it. Well, I think I could make an argument that it's okay, according to the New Testament, to drink wine. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, make all the arguments you want, but I'm telling you, God's word is very clear that, that if you're going, that drinking wine does not lead to leadership and you're not going to be a good leader if you're drinking wine. He says it very clearly right here. Not given to, not greedy of filthy lucre. Not somebody who's out there to get money. Money is not sinful, but the love of money is. And there are people that are just doing everything they can to get more and more money. Not greedy of filthy lucre. A lover of hospitality. One who uses his home to minister to other people. A lover of good men. That is, he likes clean company. That's, by the way, why it's so important that you get involved in connection classes when they're uh, available and that you get involved in, um, in uh, home hosts. You should go to the home host this, this evening. Let me, let me do this. Let me go down here for just a minute and get there. Here's what, here's what people do. People say, well, I don't like to go to those home host evenings because I, I just feel uncomfortable and I'm, I never know what to say. And so, and, and preacher, I, I came to church today and nobody's talking to me and I'm, 
I'm here and nobody, nobody, no, nobody's saying anything. Here's how to fix that. Go up to somebody and say, Hi. <laughs> Hi. My name's Dave. What's yours? Juan. Juan. Hey, where are you from, Juan? I'm from Moapa. Moapa? I never met anybody from Moapa before. So you're from, you grew up in Moapa? No, I moved there. You moved there. Where'd you move from? From California. Now, look, we've just got tons of things to talk about. Here's why. In Las Vegas, everybody is from someplace else. Do you understand that? Hi. What's your name? Michael. Michael. Where are you from? California. California. You're from the same place? Any, any place before that? No. California, California, Moapa. How about Bob? Where are you from? Oregon. You're from Oregon. Okay, great. And where are you from? From Los Angeles, three California people. We're getting surrounded, folks. <laughs> this is like dangerous. Okay, so here we got we got Oregon, we got California, we got Moapa, we got California. Uh, anybody here from Iowa? That Iowa. Okay, anybody here from Kansas? Uh, Kansas, isn't that amazing? Anybody here from uh, from Pennsylvania? There, yeah, from the Holy Land. Okay, and uh, anybody anybody here from Texas? Anybody wish they were from Texas? <laughs> I wanted Rob's hand to go up. Anyway, so here's the deal. In Las Vegas, you can walk up to anybody and just say, where are you from? And then just say, hey, what's it like there? You've, when you're in Illinois, you go to a church and you say, hi, where are you from? Are you from around here? And they say, oh, no. And I say, well, so where are you from? Oh, we live like 20 minutes down the road. <laughs> That's what they mean. They mean they live a long way away. They have to drive like 20 minutes to get to church. I say, that's like, that's, the, you know. anyway, that's, that's the way it is. And that's the way it is in Pennsylvania. That's all they, but Las Vegas, only 5% of us are born in Las Vegas. And so you have this great opportunity to talk and to meet people. And what, what you have to do is get off the seat and get up and go and talk to people. So, go to home host this the, the evening and go to the thing, or go, or go to a connection class when connection classes are going on. Get involved with people and just, just begin that way. Uh, I, uh, I th- just think it's so important that the Bible says he's a lover of good men. Sober means he's not a drunk, and he, and he takes things seriously. That doesn't mean he can't laugh. It just means he understands the seriousness of the world around us. He's just. He does the right thing. He's not a striker. He doesn't hit people. He's holy, that is, he tries to live the way God wants him to live. He's temperate, that means self-controlled, and he knows the Word of God. He believes it and he stands by the Word of God. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God, the Word of truth. That means simply getting the Word of God. Listen to it on your, uh, on your smartphone. Listen to it on DVDs or CDs or uh, and, or read it every day. Just let the Word of God teach you. Be in church as often as possible. These are requirements for leadership. So he says here, he, he, says, he says, look, uh, understand your reason. God wants you to understand your reason for existence. Write that out today. God wants you to understand your responsibilities. What are your responsibilities in fulfilling that? You see, you don't have to reach the goal. You can very simply say, okay, God, I'm going to fulfill my responsibilities, then, then you take care of yours. 
You don't have to worry about how things are going to happen. Well, if I do these things, what's going to happen? You don't have to worry about that. Leave the results to God. Just fulfill the responsibilities he's given you. What's your reason for existence? What's the responsibilities God has given you to fulfill those, those, that reason? And then what's, uh, live the requirements. Just say, I'm going to start living this way. It's just that simple. We make the Christian life very, very difficult, but it's just that simple. Now, he goes on and he says this. He tells us next, resist false teachers. There are wolves out there in sheep's clothing that are coming after you, and he says you need to resist them. Uh, Look at what he says in verse 10. It says, for there are many unruly vain talkers. Does that sound like America? A bunch of people who are talking about stupid things and deceivers, they're liars, especially them that are of the circumcision, especially those who claim to be religious, whose mouths must be stopped. We've got to stop these people from spewing their junk, the, the lies that are out there. They're telling lies to our children. They're telling lies that it's okay to do whatever. It, it's amazing. Who subvert whole houses and teach things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Why do they do this? All for money, for profit. They, 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 they'll, promote, they'll promote ungodly. They'll promote the LGBTQ thing. They'll do it all. Why? Because of bucks. They want money. This is what God says. He said we've got to stop their mouths. How do you do that? By, taking, by understanding your reason, understanding your responsibility, fulfilling God's requirements, and then standing for truth. He says one of them... Even their, their own prophet, that word prophet just means like they're reporters. This is like on the evening news. One of the people on the evening news uh, of their own said that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. You think they're talking about Washington, D.C., but they're talking about, about the people in Crete at that time. So what are we supposed to do with these people that, that, in this wicked world that we live in? And we need to understand the world, again, that we live in. He says this witness is true. This, what, what you've just heard is true. Wherefore, what are we supposed to do? Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to seducing or uh, to, fault, to fables and commandments of men, that turn from the truth. The idea is resist false teachers. Understand this. Proverbs says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Somebody comes along and they start with their vain talk, start saying stupid things, then rebuke them. You say, well, what if they won't want to be my friends? Good. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. If, if they don't want to hear it, if they're deceiving, then speak the truth. If they're false teachers, then speak the truth. Understand that you're surrounded by liars and evil beasts and slow bellies. Remind them. So what are you supposed to do? He says, rebuke them sharply. Don't give them an inch. No. Well, aren't we supposed to be loving and kind? Yes. So smile when you tell them that they're liars and they're, they're cheaters and they're, they're ruining children and speak the truth. When somebody puts something on your Facebook that is, that is stupid, then just put on there, oh, I just want you to know I love you, but that's stupid. 
That's, that's ridiculous. That's foolish. That's, that's wrong. Don't, don't condemn social media. Use it to promote the truth. When you see something on your social media account that's, that, that is good, promote it. Push it out there. Uh, just promote anything that is good and rebuke and do it in love. The Bible says that we're to speak the truth in love. Do it in love, but don't let lies be promoted without you. You are the, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the one that God is using and wants to use, but you've got to decide, decide you're going to be used. Wednesday night I'm talking about, I'll be sort of, this is part of what we're going to talk about Wednesday night. God wants to produce in you fruit. So you've got to allow him, and you've got to be the light that God wants you to be. Just speak the truth. He that with walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. So remember that. Remember that's what you're here to do. And don't just sit back and let wrong teaching come out. Well, I think the government should have the right to shut down churches. Where is that in the Constitution? Where does the Bible say that? Where, where does any, that's wrong. Well, I think, well, listen, it doesn't matter what you think. Here's what the Bible says. That's it. Speak the truth and speak it in love. Then lastly, in verse 15 and 16, I love this. He says, unto the, all, to, to the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. Wow, what a statement. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and in every good work they are reprobate. Remember this. Remember that there are two types of unsaved people. There are people, there are unsaved people who are purely seeking truth, and there are people who are defiled and have nothing to do with truth. I would say that there's a whole lot more on the left side of that screen than there are on the right side of that screen. But because the people on the right side of the screen are so vocal, you would think that 90% of America agrees with the woke agenda. And ABC and NBC and CBS and even Fox News will tell you, that's true. Everybody agrees with this. It's garbage. That's not true. Remember, there are two types of, of, of unsaved people. There are those who resist and resist. And the devil will tell you if you knock on somebody's door or if you talk to somebody, if you can't have them attract, they're going to say, hey, get it. I, you, you can't talk to me. You're... That's not going to happen. Very seldom will that happen. Remember, there are two types of unsaved people. Those that are pure, they're saying, wow. And I'm telling you, you know what COVID has done? It's opened the hearts of people to receive truth. They're, they're, our, our world is afraid. They're listening to stupid people saying stupid things on TV, and they're saying, how did this happen in America? And you know what? They're looking for somebody who will speak the truth in love. And when you say, hey, can I give you some, can I invite you to our church? They'll say, where? What's the church? They're, they're open. They're receptive. Remember, there are two types of people. There's, there's the unsaved who do not want the truth. But there are those who are pure and they're saying, we really want to hear the truth. And the Holy Spirit's working in their life. See, what do, you, what do you do about those that don't want to hear the truth? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, give not that which is holy to the dogs. He calls them dogs. That's not me, that's good Jesus. 
neither cast your pearls before swine. He calls them pigs, lest they trample under their feet. Now, I, don't you go out of here and say that Dave Tice called unsaved people that won't hear the truth dogs and pigs. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. The truth of the matter is, God says, God says, look, you take the truth that I've given you and you pass it on to those who want to hear the truth. Be kind to everyone. Focus on helping those who are receptive and, those, and leave those that reject God. Just leave them without it. I, 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 I pass out tracts all the time, all the time. And people will say thank you and thank you and thank you. But every once in a while, I, I had this, I was at a gas station. And I went in, I, I, was get, I got some gas, and I thought, oh, there's nobody here but him and me. That means God wants me to give him a tract. So I gave him a tract. I really believe God wanted me to do that. And he said, oh, oh, no, 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 I don't need that. And so I said, okay, and I walked out. You say, well, what, what do you think at that time? I think, well... One of these days, that man's going to stand in front of God and he's going to say, I didn't ever have a chance. And God's going to say, no, no, one of my kids came in there. I had, them hand you, I had him hand you a, a track. It was Dave Tice. Handed you how you could know you were going to heaven. And you said, I don't want that. I don't have to worry. If somebody wants to go to hell, all you can do is let them. Do you understand that? That's the reality. So, so what I, I need to do is focus on those that want to hear truth. And there are scores of them out there. And they're waiting for you to be the light. They're waiting for you to be the salt. They're waiting you, for you to take the responsibility. What is your reason? What is your reason? What's your purpose? Know what God's purpose is for your life. What's your responsibility in fulfilling that purpose? What are the requirements that God has for you as a leader? Become the leader God wants you to be. Resist and rebuke evil. And remember, some are going to be able to be reached and some will not be able to be reached. But you do what God wants you to do. Let's pray. Father, help us to take the truth that you've given to us and be faithful to share it with others. Father, help us to let you maximize our life. If there's somebody here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that before this moment is over, they will call on you and ask you to save them. And I ask that in Jesus' name right now. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.